Welcome to Soundings Podcast. I'm Dudley Evanson, and for more than four decades, my husband Dean Evanson and I have created music and media that supports people and the planet. In our Soundings Podcast, we'll be sharing interviews with wisdom keepers we have met in the course of our life journey. To learn more about our activities and releases, please visit our website and blog at soundings.com. In this podcast, we hear the interview with Jonathan and Andy Goldman from our Sonic Healing Meet the Masters video course. This is from Session 9 in the 10-part series on meditation, music, and healing. Jonathan Goldman is an internationally renowned teacher, writer, and award-winning Grammy-nominated musician. He's an authority on sound healing and a pioneer in the field of harmonics. He founded the Sound Healers Association, nonprofit organization dedicated to education and awareness of sound and music for healing. He has studied with masters of sound from both scientific and spiritual traditions and has been empowered to teach Tibetan overtone chanting. He's a lecturing member of the International Society for Music and Medicine and facilitates healing sound seminars worldwide. Andy Goldman, Jonathan's wife and partner, is a licensed psychotherapist specializing in holistic counseling and sound therapy. She's director of Healing Sound Seminars and executive director of the Sound Healers Association. She's a musician, teacher, author, and sound healer. Together, Jonathan and Andy Goldman have dedicated their lives to a path of service, helping awaken and empower others with the ability of sound to heal and transform. In this session, Jonathan Goldman talks about harmonics and healing and shares how sound can assist many aspects of our lives. He demonstrates overtone chanting and the chakra toning system he developed. Andy Goldman expresses the effects of sound and intention from the perspective of a psychotherapist and holistic counselor. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Jonathan Goldman and... uh... It's a pleasure to be uh, taking this opportunity to be able to uh, talk to you about my perhaps greatest uh, interest in this life, which is the use of sound as a healing modality. I got myself involved in the sound healing movement before there was a sound healing movement, before there was actually sound healing. I was playing in a rock and roll band on stage, and one night I like to say that the light of God struck me. I don't know what happened, but it was probably around 1980, and the band took a break, came back on stage. I was playing uh, lead guitar and singing original songs, uh, schooled in the venue of Jimi Hendrix, and uh, I looked out at the audience and became aware that the ambiance of the club, combined with the music that I was creating, was really inducing this whole energy of uh, negativity and violence. And now, no doubt, the alcohol, the intoxicants that different people were imbibing was certainly helping create this ambiance, but also the music that I was creating uh, was basically enhancing this uh, negativity. And I thought, gee, I wonder if music could be used to make people feel better. I just had that thought. What if music could be used to make people feel better? But I had been playing professionally for about 
15 or 16 years, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but when I was like 16 years old, my high school band beat Bruce Springsteen out in a battle of the band in New Jersey. And we used to, you know, my other band, used, we used to rehearse with Aerosmith. So we were playing in the semi-big fields, and uh, all of a sudden I had this realization that the music that I was creating was not really on a level inducing higher consciousness in people. And I went home, and I began looking around, trying to see what uh, was going on. And really, sound healing didn't even exist as an energy form then. Um, but what happened was that within a couple of weeks, uh, doors began to open for me. And uh, this lovely being by the name of Sarah Benson, Sarua Benson, who is a dear friend of ours, uh, was having a uh, workshop, and I was turned on to this workshop on using sound and music for healing. And uh, I was placed, I remember, in the middle of a circle with a group of people sounding my name, and I was holding a quartz crystal with my eyes closed. And please understand, I was beyond not being New Age. I was Mr. Rock and Roll guy. And all of a sudden, I was transported to this crystal pyramid in the middle of the woods. It was an amethyst pyramid, as a matter of fact. I remember the light coming through was green, which is probably what uh, might happen. And when I came back to my body, I said, I've got to find out more about the sound work. And I ultimately did. And what happened in 1980, I found a very few books and a couple of uh, uh, recordings, either cassettes or albums that I listened to, and it really began to change me. Meanwhile, Sarah Benson invited me to a party. It was a party for people interested in the healing uses of sound and music. That's how they define themselves. And among them was Sarah Benson, a woman by the name of Molly Scott, a man by the name of uh, Randall McClellan, who wrote a wonderful book called The Healing Forces of Music. For uh, those who don't remember, probably the uh, uh, preeminent book on sound as a healing modality. And... Uh, there are other folks, and there I was, I was in paradise. There were all these people talking about how sound and music could be used as a healing modality, and how it was too bad that this was their last meeting. I was like, oh, God. So there I'd been, like, sort of into this whole concept of using sound as a healing modality for about two weeks, and that was it. And there, you know, I was more than just a new kid on the block, and I said, well, um, um, why isn't this meeting anymore? They said, well, we just don't have time to organize. I said, I'll organize it. And they said, okay. So I was like, okay. So I went back home and I said, gee. Now, in certain traditions, if you want to give energy and really uh, create something, you name it. And I gave the, this group an aim. I, I called it the New England Sound Healers. To my knowledge, this perhaps was one of the first times that the word sound healing had actually been applied to a concept or whatnot. And the very first person, then we had a meeting, the very first person who came to that meeting was a man uh, who basically uh, named Sam McClellan who had created this music of the five elements that used the oriental medical principles of the five elements to balance the meridians of the body. And about 30 to 40 to 50 people came uh, to my house. Sam gave a, a guest talk and uh, while he was there somebody else said, hey, I'd like to talk about this. And thus began the New England Sound Healers, which then became the Sound Healers Association. And that lasted for about 10 years with every month a different person who was involved in the uh, 
you know, and this is globally throughout the world. We, this includes like people, uh, doctors from France or uh, England, like Dr. Peter Guy Manners would come over once or twice a year. To, this man is the um, man who basically created the cymatic instrument, which uses direct application of sound on the body for healing. Don Campbell uh, used to do uh, talks there, and all these different people came and did talks. In the interim, I thought, gee, be very interesting if someone could somehow create a program of study that would involve sound as a healing modality. So I went to Leslie University, which had an independent study program in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I said, hey. And I presented them with what they said to me was a PhD dissertation level material with just, this is a legitimate subject, how about letting me research it? And uh, so I began then going to uh, Leslie. The Sound Healing Association continued, and I began researching all sorts of as many different aspects of sound and music. I have somewhere in the, in the, in the vaults this extraordinary library of all these different papers from doctors and scientists and spiritual masters using sound music, everything which is now out of print, no longer in existence, but perhaps the uh, Sound Healers Library will manifest. And that has continued now to this day. I'd say probably as the Sound Healers Association really continued to manifest, at one point we had about membership of uh, six to 800 people throughout the world in about 1988. Uh, it had actually grown to that level. That's when I think the Sound Healing Movement really began to coalesce, and here it is now nearly 20 years later, and we're at this extraordinary conference, and it's here to stay, and it just blows my mind. There are so many different modalities of using sound uh, for healing and self-transformation. I think that perhaps the vehicle that I most like to work with is the voice, and this is simply because it doesn't require electricity, batteries, the owner's manual is relatively easy to use, and it's free. And everybody can learn to use their voice as an instrument for healing. Now, we're not talking about using your voice as an instrument for performance or entertainment. That's different. I'm not talking about getting up and singing Strangers in the Night in the nightclub, but rather being able to make sounds and generate tones to different parts of your body, your brain, your etheric system to put it into balance. And we can all do that. Now, I have lots of different toys, including various uh, instruments to project frequencies into the body. I have a uh, record company that produces music for uh, balancing uh, the chakras, balancing brain waves, doing all, invoking and bringing down different deities and entities. I work with a lot with Tibetan bowls, crystal bowls, uh, tuning forks and the like. I know a lot about them and I've done a great deal of scientific research on all of these and yet still if I'm in the middle of the woods and I need to use sound in order to shift and change vibratory rate and I don't have anything to plug it in or I left my tuning forks at home or this or that, I've always got my voice. So that's why I like to teach that to people and it's also really, you know, one can Make it as complicated as you want, or you can make it as easy as you want. And I think that really, on a level, um, the simple and sacredness of sound, particularly the, the human voice, is perhaps the most uh, powerful implement for healing that I know of. Although I like, I like toys too. With regard to the voice, I personally probably have found that these things called harmonics or overtones, 
maybe among the most powerful uh, aspects of self-created sound that one can generate. In fact, my first book, Healing Sounds, was subtitled The Power of Harmonics. How, uh, harmonics or overtones are geometric multiples of any given uh, fundamental or frequency. And um, many, many years ago, this gentleman by the name of Pir Vilayat Khan, who was head of the Sufi order in the West, and I happened to be at a huge conference, and he was doing a uh, talk and healing with light and sound, and I was jumping up and down out of my seat trying to ask one question, and he wouldn't answer it for me. So he forced me to come up, and I finally said, Pir Vilayat, Pir Vilayat. He said, is there a relationship between sound and the chakras and healing? He said, yes, but I believe the true relationship lies in harmonics. I said, great. And I walked back, but I didn't have a clue what a harmonic was, except that I knew that harmonics were a way of tuning your guitar, and I thought maybe he was telling me that if I put my guitar in tune, it would be healing. But uh, I soon discovered that it was, there was actually ways of creating multiple sounds with your voice, uh, such as this, so I'll generate a few different sounds. And you can project these to different portions of your brain, for example, and you can use it for, uh, if you like, the uh, brain and the mind is an incredible pharmacological storehouse of information and knowledge. And so we can open up different uh, levels of consciousness and actually cause the release of different neurochemicals, including, for example, neuro, uh, melatonin using harmonics. You can also uh, resonate the chakras with them. You can resonate. I, probably the favorite thing that I teach is using vowel sounds to resonate the chakras. And the reason that this is probably my favorite thing is, first of all, the chakras, which are the esoteric energy centers of the body, are interrelated. Uh, there's sort of the midway point between um, the etheric energy out here in the physical body. And uh, when you put your chakras into balance, you can frequently either keep yourself in tune or you can sometimes work on sometimes really deep imbalances on the physical body. And um, vowel sounds are considered sacred in many, many different traditions. And then uh, there's information that Edward Casey, the sleeping prophet, gave that dates back to the Egyptian priests having knowledge of the seven uh, sacred vowel sounds to resonate their energy centers. And what I like about this is that one can be involved in a very, very fundamentalist uh, movement and not have problems chanting a vowel sound, such as the ah sound. But they might have difficulty chanting a bija mantra, a Hindu mantra, or something like that. So working with sacred vowel sounds to resonate the chakras is probably one of the major tools that if I could have a couple of hours to spend with people, this would be something that I would share that I could teach them to do. The vowel sounds, for example, if I go up, go. That's one aspect of doing it, and you can, I could just feel the energy going up and down my body.
So for my root chakra, I use a very, the very deepest uh sound. So I go, uh. Then for my second chakra, a little higher range, and for myself, I basically just try to kind of find go, ooh. Then once again, sort of doing toning, I'm looking for a mid-range O sound. For the throat, an eye sound. For third eye, an A sound. And usually a little bit high up in the um, falsetto range. I'll do that again. Then the, usually for the crown, the highest pitched E sound that you can make. For this moment in time and space, those were the pitches of the vowel sounds for me. I could actually feel it, and you could see me moving around a little bit uh, with my voice for particularly the heart and the uh, uh, belly and the throat, just to find the right notes there, because uh, you know I could feel a resonance not only in the physical body, but also in the energy field over there. Then there are a lot of other different ways, including the Tibetan uh, Buddhists, what they call the um, one voice chord of the deep voice, which is... Now this is not something I teach to people usually because uh, uh, people are very intrigued and interested in it, but it's not particularly a tool that I uh, will use uh, as a teaching tool, but it's a very, very excellent grounding tool as well as an excellent sacred tool for implementing all sorts of wonderful energy. I always tell people that there isn't any sort of process or work that they do that cannot be enhanced using sound, whether it's the educational process, the work process. You want to increase productivity using sound? I can teach you how. You want to uh, assist your relationship, enhance your relationship? I can teach you how. Because there's virtually no way in which sound can't be used to make things better. And it's extraordinary. So I get very passionate about everything. So if you just say, Jonathan, tell us about TV and sound. I could go into a whole spiel about television and sound and the fact that sound, unfortunately, in television is not being utilized the way it could be uh, 40, 50 years ago. TV had the greatest potential of bringing sound and light into the homes of people and educating them and just making them shift and change. And instead, we're going to a lowest common denominator. And because of that, uh, unfortunately, uh, most people are asleep. I'm very, very interested in waking people up. My process with the vowel toning was the result of working with a number of different systems uh, that people had gotten, including Dr. Randall McClellan, and also uh, a book called Through Music uh, to the Self by a person by the name of Peter Michael Hamill, uh, and sp speech pathology and the fact that there is a relationship between uh, 
deep sounds and the lower trunk of the body, mid-range sounds and the uh, middle trunk or the upper trunk of the body and high sounds and the, and the head. There was that relationship and there's also a relationship between what's called formants or the most predominant harmonics that are associated with each of the vowel sounds. And I remember one spring equinox in 19, I guess it was 87, I was meditating and this system working with the, with the vowel sounds came to me. And uh, when I teach people, it, see, it's my belief that we're all unique vibratory beings. Nobody is exactly the same. So when people say, well, I've got the sound for this, or I've got the sound for that, or I've got the sound that heals this condition, or I've got the sound that heals that condition, I always have to ask, well, is this true? It may be true for one person. It may be true for 50% of an audience or 60% of an audience, sometimes even 80%, but I just don't think you'll ever find a 100% correlation between any product, whether it's a sound, or a color, or a perfume, or a drug. Whenever I teach, I ask people, how many of you are allergic to penicillin? And about 10, 15, sometimes 20% of an audience will raise their hand and go, yeah. Okay, everything in the universe is in a state of vibration. Everything, therefore, is a waveform. Everything, therefore, is a sound. And that includes pharmaceuticals. So that means that the you know, waveform or the frequency of penicillin is healing to about 80% of the people in certain conditions. But for 20% of people, 20% of the people, it's toxic. And I think you're going to find the same phenomena in sound. In the 1930s, the 1940s, a man by the name of Carl Seashore began something called the psychology of music. And basically what he did was he wanted to see if different music affected people differently. And using these things called semantic differentials, he handed out pieces of paper to, uh, to people, played different music, and had them rate how the music affected them. And he'd get, at best, 50 or 60% of them would agree that they liked this music or made them happy or sad. I do remember that the one... Uh, one piece of music that was particularly got the highest rating, 80% of the people found Stars and Stripes Forever to be invigorating. But 15% of it found, found it depressing and 5% just didn't care. But you're, I, just, so I just don't think the more you uh, get into this field of sound, the more people are going to be making outrageous claims that this does this and this does that. Which brings me to perhaps, I think, one of the more important things that I've brought down to the planet. One of them is this particular system of using vowels as mantras. I think it's very important. But in my book, Healing Sounds, I brought down and created a formula, which I'd like to share with you, and it's this. Frequency plus intent equals healing. I'll say it again. Frequency plus intent equals healing. Frequency, well, sound travels as a waveform, and let us perceive that everything, as the ancient mystics and masters would say, everything in the universe is in a state of vibration. Therefore, everything, including our bodies, our brains, or our etheric fields, even this chair that I'm sitting in, is in a state of vibration. So it's all creating a frequency. But when I was working on my first book, which was a result of my uh, master's thesis from Lesley University uh, 
and this actually predated Healing Sounds, I had a stack of papers about Yohai that were different systems that different scientists, doctors, medical people, spiritual masters, music, music people had basically correlated for resonating the organs, for resonating the chakras. It was great. I was a happy guy except for one thing. I come from a family of very, very left-brain medical doctors and I knew that there was an aspect of healing that involved the frequency level, the frequency level of sound. But if that was true, why did the stack of papers with all these different systems, why were the frequencies not in agreement with each other? You would have one spiritual master who would have one frequency for the heart, and another spiritual master or scientist would have a totally different frequency to the heart. Yet they were all saying that they were having success. One uh, guru might give you uh, one mantra for the uh, solar plexus chakra, and another guru would have a very different mantra for the solar plexus chakra. And they would both work. And I was sitting in front of my computer, and of course this dates me a little bit because... The computer was running off of a DOS operating system, you all remember that one. And the question was, okay, how can all of these different systems work to effectively create shift and change? And I distinctly heard a voice, and the voice said to me, it is not only the frequency of the sound that creates the effect, but also the intention of the person making the sound that creates the effect and is received by the person receiving the sound. Frequency plus intent equals healing. And for me, this is still, you know, if you like, almost a unified field of sound healing. Why you can have so many different people claiming that they have got the frequencies for different conditions, different problems, claiming, and I have no reason to doubt that they've had a great deal of success healing it, and yet the frequencies do not correlate. They are not in agreement. What is the thing that is different. Uh, the frequencies are different, but the intentionality that these sounds would heal the conditions is the same. Sound is an energy form that allows the consciousness of the person creating the sound to ride on it and be received by the person who is listening to the sound. Frequency plus intent equals healing. We've seen the work now of Dr. Masoro Emoto, who basically shows these wonderful, beautiful, pristine, snowflake-like water molecules, frozen water that has been taken from various types of lakes and wonderful environments, or um, di different types of, uh, if you like, what he has done. Oh, I'm backtracking a little bit, but a lot of you have uh, seen What the Bleep and uh, are very, very familiar with Dr. Emoto's work, and you know that he basically would take water, freeze it, then basically put it under a dark field microscope, and the water, when it was either distilled or fresh or from nature, would create this wonderful snowflake-type imaging, while the water, if it was from a polluted lake or something like that, would look like mud. And then Dr. Emoto took this... Uh, uh, he would take water and he would either put it through... Uh, sp uh, have speakers on either side and see what the effects of music were like, and he found that certain types of music created extraordinarily crystalline shapes and other types of music made the water look like mud. And then he simply said, well, what would happen if I just wrote the words love or appreciation or gratitude on this water? They made great dis 
great, great, uh, wonderful geometric forms looking like snowflakes. What about I hate you or you make me sick, made it look like mud. But the most impressive thing that I saw was water from the Fujiwara Dam, which is a great polluted dam in Japan. It looks like mud. And then he had a priest chant over it for an hour. And after an hour, he photographed this water and it looked as pristine as anything that you could find either from the uh, uh, fountain at Lourdes or any sort of totally pristine, clear thing. And if we think about how much of our body is water, how much of this planet is water, and how easily sound coupled with intentionality can shift and change. Quick quote from the New York Times Science section. Sound shaped into dazzling tool can make, break, or rearrange molecular structure and levitate objects. So we're talking about an energy here that not only goes into our ear, into our brain, affects our nervous system, our heart rate, or respiration, but actually goes into us on a cellular level and can change us and rearrange us on a molecular level. People often ask, well, what sort of conditions can be, if you like, fixed, can be cured, can be healed using sound? And I say, potentially, anything can be shifted and changed. If you can rearrange molecular structure, then anything can be shifted and changed using sound. And I think one of the really important vehicles of this is, of course, to have our consciousness of healing, of love, of gratitude, riding on the sound. It just, I mean, it, it just amplifies it. One of the reasons I think that most prayer on this planet is vocalized is simply that sound enhances consciousness. Introducing Andy Goldman. <laughs> Hi, I'm Andy Goldman and I come into the world of sound with uh, a background in psychotherapy. I'm a, a licensed holistic psychotherapist and so the modalities that I've been trained in have been alternative holistic modalities. So sound was just right up my alley and uh, so using sound with my clients primarily with the emotional body is where my focus is. And of course, working with Jonathan, that's our, our whole other focus because what we wanted to do, gosh, a lot, many, well, several years ago, right. we wanted to figure out a way that we could combine my background in psychotherapy with Jonathan's pioneering work in the field of sound as a healing modality. And probably the greatest way that you can learn to really go within is to work with self-created sound. And, you know, sound seems to bypass the left logical portion of the brain going directly into the emotional body, the limbic system, and really allowing you to go deep within and bypassing a lot of the armoring mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. occurs. Well, Jonathan's pioneering work is, is just phenomenal. And I've learned so much about sound healing from Jonathan. And it has given us now the opportunity to bring the work together and to, to teach 
people, you know, how to resonate their chakras, how to shift and change their brain waves. But it helps how us to put now. yourself just in harmony right. with each other. I mean, that's basically yeah. the bottom line mm -hmm. is we're really concerned about you, about the planet, about our survival as a species, about the importance of, a sh of uh, assisting and enhancing consciousness on the planet. And from our level of perception, the fastest, highest, most profound, and most powerful thing that you can do in order to assist this is to work with intentionalized conscious sound. If you begin to work with sound even by yourself or particularly with somebody else, the barriers that exist between you disappear. So that happens with one person. If there are more, the barriers between them disappear. If there's a room full of people, you all become one. As the Beatles said, uh, I am you and you are me and we are all together. And this is, the, uh, this is the tantra, this is the understanding. So if we can begin to then understand the oneness of all things, we will drop our petty differences that really are getting in the way of our continuation of a species on this planet and through working with sound. Mm -hmm. And particularly, we like to work with the ah sound. Well, and just bringing it back to the important uh, factor of intentionality. And one of the things that we do is work with the intention of love. I mean, that really is where the healing happens. You know, no matter what sound you're making, when you can encode it with the intention of love, you know, you're just there and and those barriers do begin to dissolve and you then begin to feel compassion and love and and that's really I think one of my passions is to whatever we're doing when we're talking with people when we're making sound with people when we're teaching people how to use sound really all that I care about is that those people that are hearing what we're saying will not even really care what we're saying, but they will feel within themselves... The kindness. Love. The love. And that they will leave feeling love for themselves, and they will then take that out. And that's really right. our purpose, yeah. my purpose, of course, I mean, in working with year, Years ago, I was sort of given the assignment. I don't know if it was that night that I had that experience of, you know, what if music could be used to make people feel better, but I was given the assignment to help bring to this planet awareness of sound as a healing modality. Mm -hmm. And some years ago I became aware that indeed that had, you know, was really beginning to occur. And we're, here we are at this wonderful conference with all these people and it has occurred. And I was asking, okay, what is the next step? Is there a next step? You still want me around? What am I supposed to do? And I clearly heard a voice say, continue with your work with healing sounds, but take it from a personal to a planetary level. So the neural net of the planet is the internet, if you like, and it represents the mind of the planet. But I don't know if you all remember at Jurassic Park when Jeff uh, Goldblum was uh, playing the scientist who says, you people are so interested in seeing if you can create something, you never ask if you should. Well, the mind frequently does not ask if, it, if you should. You need the heart to be able to create that balance going, should I do this, should I not do it? You know, in the indigenous people's uh, uh, consciousness, they frequently will not take an action without perceiving how it will, the ramifications for many generations, but oftentimes the neural net wants it now. The neural net wants it, I'm going to do this now. So the question is, how do you activate the, if like, global heart 
and from the internet? And the answer is through sound. In Tibetan Buddhism, they have three different, if you like, parts. Body, mind, and speech, which is the interconnecting part between the heart and the mind. So we basically have people, for example, on our World Sign Healing Day, making an ah sound. Many of them are hooked into a computer and they're listening to this ah sound and they're sounding along with it. And very soon we're going to have a temple of sacred sound, which will be the cyberspace temple where you can actually go into it and not only hear others sounding, but also hear yourself. And that's, uh, that's one of my great, I'm really looking forward to this and a very, very high-tech uh, musical scientist is helping develop this equipment because I think it'll really make a difference. If you can get people, call people, email people, go, at 12 o'clock we're all going to be making a planetary tone for peace, go to the Temple of Sacred Sound and you'll be able to hear yourself and hundreds, thousands, millions of people together and sure it'll just be a dull roar but nevertheless feel the energy. Absolutely. So that, that, that for yes, me is very that's exciting. that's one of the things that we're working on. But you know, taking it back to a more personal level, you know, because you know we can be out there globally, which is what we are, you know, all about as well. But even just making that ah sound, that ohm sound, with your family. Right. I I have a friend who has two little children. And before they go out the door to school each day, you know, because it's all, they're all frantic, you know, trying to get lunches and all that. And I taught them how to just stop for one minute. Anybody can stop for one minute and just begin to, oh. Not only do they think it's just so much fun, because they'll stop and do it, but then they'll start giggling and laughing, and their whole stress system, their, their nervous system has so de-stressed. So even something you know as simple as that is so important for each individual person to be able to do. And certainly, I mean, at our workshops, you know, as Jonathan just talked about, the vowels is mantra, and we also work with the bija mantras, mantras, but really to uh, balance. There's so many implements. Right, but you know, balancing the chakras, and you know, and working with tuning forks to balance the left and the right hemispheres of the brain, you know, all of those things really helping people to relax to go back into balance, to de-stress. I mean, for us, that's really the primary uses of sound. Well, de-stressing. How many of us, people say, well, you know, why is sound healing? I say, well, gosh, how much of this, of the imbalances on this planet are due to uh, you know, stress-related uh, illnesses? And what if you can use sound, breathing, making tone, listening to music, such as we all create, to you know, alleviate that stress? How healing is that, huh? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one of the things that I, I also think is important is that because sound is becoming so exponentially out there, I mean, it just keeps growing and growing and growing, and many people are just sort of discovering when we say, you sound, you know, well, they go, well, sound, what are you talking about? sound. So educating people, and of course we do work with the voice, and so, you know, toning and making those vowel sounds, making those ohm sounds, or just making any kind of sound with the intention of 
shifting your energy is so simple. And simple. we try to get that point yeah. across to people too, that it is just simply, ah. Or simple yet effective. Simple yet effective. <laughs> okay, so this is one. First time ever captured on tape. I take our glasses <laughs> off for this one. Oh. Okay. Okay. We'll put our foreheads okay. together. And we can hold hands if you want to. Yeah. Let's take another one. Okay, you ready? And what we're doing is actually projecting the sound into the third eye, which then the pituitary gland is right there and it's opening up the light centers. I think that you could say it that way. Okay, all right, well, let's do one more. Okay, because, all right, you ready? here we go. You could hum together, you know, put your foreheads together and do a mmm sound or just even give each other a hug and mmm. And once again, for people, for anybody who has got some sort of issue with uh, uh, the Om sound or any sort of mantra, and the mantras mm -hmm. are found in every tradition, whether it's uh, mm -hmm. Alleluia or Shalom or whatnot, just working with that uh, Let's do it again. <laughs> Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Are we ready? Yeah. And we want to remind everybody that you don't need to be a trained singer to do this stuff. That's and why it doesn't have to be loud. It can be, and I tend to be like softer, so I was trying to get really loud then. But you can just keep it just really very low, yeah. and that is as effective as if it were loud. You know, and, and we think it's really important that people realize that everyone has got a voice that can do these very, very easy exercises and you don't need to be trained, you don't need to be yeah. uh, anything, you just need to want to have the effort because when one person begins to make their vibrations and another person begins to vibrations, they lock in synchrony and harmony together with each other mm -hmm. and the effect can be so profound. Well, and, and any sound that you make is a good sound as long as it is not harmful to you physically. So as long as it doesn't feel, you're not feeling discomfort or it's not harming you physically, any sound that you make is fine. And so people who are wanting to learn to work with sound who might be a little bit hesitant because maybe they feel they can't sing or whatever it has nothing to do with singing but just any sound right. that you make with the intention of healing, of love, as long as it's not hurting you physically, it's perfect. And just as a uh, little quick thing, for example, we'll be in a car. We'll be going to a party and, oh, I don't know, one of us will start something 
silly about uh, something and the other one will continue and it'll escalate and escalate and all of a sudden we're sitting outside, outside <laughs> of the party, both of us seething. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I don't want to go in, I'm not going in and all of a sudden one of us will turn to the other and go, let's make a let's sound. Let's make a sound. And we'll, you know, and we'll it, do an, an ah or an we'll, ohm sound. We'll shift before we go. But that doesn't happen really all that no, often. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we, we want, uh, you know, people to understand that it's that powerful. And the only thing that you simply have, you know, within making a sound, perhaps for a minute or two minutes, we'll look at, ah, oh, sweetie, hey. Yes, honey, I The only thing you have to do is hey. beforehand uh, sort of make a contract right. that if you get in a situation where things are sticky, that, you, that the sounds that you make are going to be kind and not the, why you, you know, that type of thing. You know, in other words, generating good positive energy through this type of, uh, you know, making a tone together. It, once again, may sound, you know, very, very easy and simple, and it is. All you have to do is remember that you've made an agreement to do this, and then do it, and wonders can occur. <clears throat> different either quartz crystal bowls or Tibetan bowls or even these gongs uh, create tones that a lot of people are able to utilize as implements for healing. Um, probably the oldest of these bowls right here is this Tibetan bowl that is over 300 years old and just listening to its tone puts out a very, very powerful and sacred like frequency that 
goes into the chakras and the cells on a very, very deep level to create realignment and balance in a person. Uh, we could actually uh, hold this for a while and it would continue uh, sounding. And then one of the newer of these would be our uh, quartz crystal bowls. Right, and this rose quartz crystal bowl is one that I particularly like because it has the energy, rose quartz has the energy of love in it. And I like to use this bowl because intention is a huge part of the work that we do. And so with all of these frequencies that you just heard, all of these sounds that interface with our bodies, minds, and spirits, intention coupled with the sound is equals healing, basically. Right. I mean, this is probably, from our perspective, uh, one of the most important things about sound is here you have these different implements that are all putting out different frequencies. And um, we know of, and we, we like, to, you know, to have a whole uh, number of these different ones simply because they offer different sounds. So if we're playing them, they create great variety. But frequently, if we're just doing a, uh, a session or just working with uh, ourselves in prayerful form, for example, we just get this moving. We'll just use this and focus our energy on the sound of this bowl. And we find that by focusing your energy, your intentionality on just one pure sound, the sound will do if you, essentially what you want it to do. So we don't find, we don't, for this is not, for example, for the first chakra, and that's for the second chakra, and this is for the third chakra. We have not given that assignment of, um, you know, if you like, validity to these bowls and therefore limited them in their uh, use. We find that simply one sound with a certain particular, if it's visualization, intentionality, or just even belief, will have whatever effect you want to create. One of the wonderful ways that we do use these bowls is clearing the energy. For instance, in our own home, we would use one of these bowls in whatever room we wanted to clear the energy in. And we find that it really, coupled with intention, the energy really opens up and uh, any negativity is displaced and positive loving energy will come in. Thank you for listening to our Soundings Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this program. To learn more about our music, guided meditations, and videos, please visit our website and blog at soundings.com. Peace through music blessings.